Hey there, and welcome to the Deeper Podcast. Podcast that's all about how we can live lives that love the hell out of this world, even when we feel terrified, scared, and believe we can't do anything. We can find those small, small, sweet steps that can help us have a little bit more courage to do the thing that's in front of us. And to remember, like we're going to be talking about in today's episode, that we all have a place to play. No, that's not it. We all have a role to play. We all have a place to be, a role to play, that you're on the team. Now, I have to admit, as a queer boy who, uh, (laughs) as you've probably heard from me, if you've listened to our previous gender series, uh, you know, had a very curious relationship with gender and sporting. I, I do appreciate a good sports metaphor when we can use it, and that is what today is all about. We're in this series, Terms of Service, which is looking at those small, unwritten rules of human connection that form the backbone of community. And one of those deepest ones is how we serve one another. And today, Elaine is going to dive in and talk about how, even when we don't feel like we have anything to offer, we do. And that often getting on the team is the medicine, is the antidote for what we need. Now, I know that can feel like a hard lift, especially if your life is like mine, it's filled to the brim. And yet I know time after time from not only my testimony, but others about how serving is truly one of the most enriching things we can do. And that we as a community need to reevaluate what we think of as serving so they can truly be accessible to all people. And so that serving isn't just something that able-bodied and young people can do. Now, I just mentioned testimonials and we have one for you. And this is a really beautiful testimonial from a member of our community speaking about a challenging situation she had, an interaction with a friend that spurred um, a a transformation in her life. I'm going to let her speak about it directly. So this is Cleo offering a testimonial about service. So I'm Cleo, and uh, my story kind of begins with a little dose of bitter medicine a very dear friend made a comment to me, and I thought it was just hurtful at the time. And I was urged by friends to really dismiss it and that that person was just having a bad day and it's all about them, it has nothing to do with me. And I kind of really, it hurt so bad that it was transformative. And I really couldn't let it go. And I just kept thinking about it until one day I just woke up kind of like Scrooge. (laughs) The next day, all of a sudden, I had a completely different perspective on my presence in the world, and I wanted to change it. So I came here, and I signed up to be a volunteer. I had no idea what I was doing, and I knew and I appreciated that my friend was kind of calling me to recognize that I didn't really have a good connection with community. And honestly, I thought that community was really kind of a mythological creature, like maybe like a dragon. Like it was scary, uh, possibly super dangerous, and possibly it really didn't exist. And so the first time I volunteered, I decided that I would lead a journey group, because I thought, this room is just too big, that's too many people. I can handle about 10. So I got my feet wet in a journey group, and I loved it. I was really surprised. It went really well. 
It was beautiful. It was positive. It was not dangerous. I was still kind of scared, but it was so much fun that I decided I would try leading a journey group. And in that journey group was Lynn Young. And yes, thank you. I'm glad you appreciate that. I didn't know who she was. And I didn't know, but you know, it was amazing. She did not give me a hard time about being so inexperienced. She was a kind and a gentle teacher. And you know, she would redirect me every now and then if I kind of wandered off into the weeds. And it was really beautiful. I don't know if you know Eckhart Tolle's work, but he talks about being a teacher of presence. And that is very much what she was, and very much what most of the members were. And so I found myself led from thing to thing, and I enjoyed it so much that I started coming to the services, which had previously been very scary. And I discovered that ushering is like one of my favorite things. Um, it's so simple. You know, you wouldn't think that it would matter or make a difference or mean anything, but I get to greet every person. I get to meet people, like every one of you. And what I started to discover was that, yeah, it is kind of a mythical creature. Um, you might remember that I used to have pink hair. And I had pink hair for 15 years straight. And I'm an artist. And I have always loved big and loud. And I have always been the biggest and the loudest person in every room. And I realized part of this discovery was that I, I was missing something. That community is quiet. That the beautiful experiences that happen to us in this environment, uh, that what support really is, it's a quiet experience. And so I dyed my hair natural. <laughs> and I started looking around and thinking, okay, what am I missing? What have I been missing my whole life? Because I have always thought that the only thing that was important was big and loud experiences. And so I started to discover uh, quiet things, even just being with my family even discovering what that dynamic could really be, discovering what the hospitality team is. Um, Sunday morning, there's this beautiful time before the congregation arrives, and I, most of you really do, I think a lot of people here, I know because you all volunteer, right? The choir is, is the back three rows. So in a way, everybody here is a part of this service, and when you come and you're a part of that team that starts out in the morning together, it's really special. It's amazing to see how talented the leadership here is. It's beautiful to bask in this atmosphere of cooperation, of kindness, and to see the beautiful way that they treat each other, to see the beautiful way that they treat challenges. Um, Things that in my house would be a massive meltdown, 
they're like laughing about and joking about, and they even turn it into a, a service topic, the changes in this building. Um, and I've really learned mostly from looking in your eyes. Every Sunday morning, um, I get to see things that I never saw before. I experience something here that I never knew was real. And coming here, I realized that community is not a fire-breathing dragon. Um, it doesn't have to be any of those things. But if there is something mythical about it, it's really like a unicorn. And unicorns come to us when we make the journey. When we go into the forest, we dare to be someplace. Maybe it's a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, but that beautiful relationship of the princess and the unicorn is unconditional love. So when we dare to be vulnerable ourselves, show up, suddenly we're standing in a whole herd of sparkly unicorns. So thank you so much for sharing your magic with me. And um, I, I, it's, Truly, I look back at that day when somebody was so rude to me, and I think, wow, was that like the best day of my life that changed everything and helped me to discover the faith to find a whole herd of beautiful unicorns. I love that Cleo talked about the sacred time of preparation before the service. It's a really beautiful thing that so many people don't get to realize what happens before the doors open on a Sunday morning, all of the small moments, and what true hospitality is. I'm <laughs> deeply grateful for Cleo and her sharing. Well, I'm going to turn it over to Reverend Elaine to speak about her experience of service when I was a kid, I dabbled in sports. I wanted to be with my friends. I wanted the high fives, the togetherness, the belonging. I started out in soccer and soon transitioned to softball in my elementary years. Do you want to know what my two favorite parts of those softball team experiences were? <laughs> Snacks. <laughs> and rainouts. <laughs> to this day, rain on a humid Midwestern evening is the sweet, sweet smell of not having to do something hard I'm not very good at in front of a bunch of people. <laughs> I was not skilled in softball. I was not fast. I could not throw very far. I was usually spacing out during the game way more than any player should, which is understandable when you're in the outfield, but not when you're on second base. <laughs> but I wasn't even technically on second base. The coach had invented a special position just for me <laughs> that doesn't actually exist in the game of softball. <laughs> It was like shortstop, but it was between first and second base. It preserved my dignity, my sense of belonging, and sometimes I was even useful there. 
there was a place for everyone on this softball team. A lot of time has passed since then, and when you're an adult, no one signs you up for teams anymore. Life gets busy and speeds up, responsibilities increase, your arms get filled up with work and family and commitments, and yet for many of us, there's something else that keeps growing too a yearning to be a part of something bigger, to be a part of a tribe of people who know us and we know them and we take care of each other and we do something that matters with our lives. We yearn to be able to look back on our lives and say that we were of use in the world. It's my belief that it is this yearning that brought most of us through the doors here at Foothills. There's some reason that each of us came to a church instead of a book club or an art class, a sports team or a political group. We were looking to be a part of a certain kind of community to serve on a particular kind of team. But we might not always have framed it that way. Maybe initially our story when we arrived here was that we were looking for like-minded friends, or personal inspiration, or maybe just a nurturing place to leave our kids for an hour so we could have our brain and body to ourselves after a long week. And these are all good, life-enriching pursuits. But we know that being a part of a church community involves service to a greater purpose, service towards our fellow humans and the whole web of life on this earth we share, and service is what we're talking about during this series, delving into the details of what it actually means to serve. And so today I invite you to explore with me what it means to serve in a church community specifically, because it can be kind of confusing, especially in a larger congregation like this one, where it's so easy to come and slide into your seat on Sunday mornings and get your cup filled, find your center again, maybe do some healing, find some gratitude as you head out into the week, and to stop there. Because when we look around and we see that things seem to be chugging along pretty well, we can get the impression that serving is optional here, that we aren't really needed right now or we probably wouldn't make a significant difference. So if other people have things covered, then maybe we'll just wait and do our serving later, at a better time, in a future when we are less busy and less overwhelmed, or when we feel more qualified or have something a little more to offer, or maybe when we're feeling more willing to let go of our anonymity and really put ourselves out there. In this story, it would create more ease to serve less. This is a story I tell myself all the time, like probably every single day. I just need more time. I just need to be alone for a minute. I just need to get my life straightened out or get a few more skills or wait a little longer before taking on this kind of service. And there is absolutely truth in all of this. And it's also important to note that we all have our seasons at church and in our lives. Sometimes it's exactly the right thing to simply receive. 
Sometimes it's truly all we can do and it's everything we need to receive when we're hurting and tossed around by life and we need to be held and buoyed by the ocean that is the congregation. That is very real. But I do wonder, I wonder about all the other times, the times when the exact hungers and hurts that bring us through the doors here could actually find satisfaction and healing through service. I wonder if our reasons for not serving are the exact reasons why we should be serving. What if service in this community were a practice that actually helps us feel less overwhelmed, more competent, and more seen and known and connected? Scott Plaus, who teaches social psychology at Wesleyan University, gives his students a very unique assignment, and it goes like this. Choose a day that will be your day of compassion and try your absolute best to live each minute of that day as compassionately as possible. In other words, for a full 24-hour period, you should do your best to reduce suffering of others, help those in need, be considerate and respectful, and avoid causing harm to any living being. Scott then asked his students to reflect on what they noticed and how these actions changed the way they felt about themselves. So what happens? Students often report that the assignment is transformative. They're surprised to see that people react so overwhelmingly positively to their acts of compassion. And the students, they take in this positive response and they get a boost from it. Scott says that by the end of the day, students report, this is a different side of me that I didn't recognize was there. Compassion is contagious. If you do something kind for another person, it gives that person a lift, and then that person goes and does something for somebody else, and it sets off this kind of chain reaction. Even when we are feeling overly busy and overwhelmed and stuck, the act of serving, the act of considering what would be helpful to another living being and doing something about it, can be a concrete, positive exchange that takes us out of our heads, reorients our spirit, and rewrites our stories about wanting to be left alone or needing fewer things to do. Even though we might tend to avoid adding any extra service or maybe even any extra human interactions to our lives, we often get surprised when the experience of being seen and feeling connected ends up filling us up. And even small actions have such a big impact. I'm lucky in our congregation that I get a peek into these simple, simple but powerful moments all the time. I get to hear from a newcomer about the person who overheard that they were visiting for the first time, so they invited that newcomer to sit with them, never knowing that that person was actually living through a big crisis and it meant the world to them. I get to hear from the person who received a condolence card in the mail from someone on our caring team they'd never ever met and it moved them to tears. 
And then I watch that same person join that team and report back their deep satisfaction from the practice of sending their own good wishes out into the world. I get to hear stories from our caring listener team about how meaningful it is to be the person receiving companionship through a hard time and how meaningful it is to be the person who gets to offer that listening presence. Why is it that serving others can have this healing and uplifting quality? It's because serving isn't just making a problem go away or filling in a gap or creating a more efficient system. It's serving when we approach life with a particular orientation of the spirit, an orientation of deep connection and belonging. And in our world that is so busy, so compartmentalized, and so lonely sometimes, we desperately need contact with the reality of our interconnection. In serving, we exercise that power with, not power over. We serve from a place of honoring the fundamental capacity for wholeness in all things. And the beautiful thing about this heart of serving is that when the wholeness in us strengthens the wholeness in others or in our community, we often find ourselves transformed by the process. And for me, this is part of the very essence of church. So I have a riddle for you. If service is so integral to what we do at church, then why can't you volunteer at Foothills? I'll just put it out there one more time. If service is so integral to what you do, oh, this probably is landing not at all how I anticipated. It is, I know. All right, well, I'll just say it again, and then you'll see where I go with this. If service is so integral to what we do at church, why can't you volunteer at Foothills? All right, so every once in a while, a familiar slip up happens in my life. I'm here at church, or I'm otherwise occupied as a person out in the world, and while I'm out and about, someone will describe my husband as babysitting our kids while I'm away. Well, that's not a thing, babysitting your own children. That's actually called parenting. <laughs> And this is why you can't volunteer at your own church. It's volunteering when you're serving a person or an organization that you're accountable to, but essentially separate from. And church is different because church is us. We say that we go to church, but really church isn't something we go to. It's something we do. It's something we are and make together. And so we don't volunteer at church, we serve at church, because we're part and parcel of a dynamic wholeness that is community. And we come together to live out a mission greater than all of us, to conspire, to risk for the highest good. We commit our lives to practicing the courageous love that lives right at that place where love of self and love of other and love of the world come together and rhyme. In a previous congregation I served, 
I began to notice that at every memorial service, there were a few people who were always a part of that team. Whether we had planned the service for months in advance, or we needed some people on very short notice, they showed up to serve. And they didn't fit the mold of who I expected to show up. This was at the very beginning of my ministry, and for some reason, I thought that the members of the memorial service team would be driven by a love of creating beautiful receptions, or a desire to show the church's best and most welcoming face to the community, which both would have been good and fine, and are. One of these always there team members was a very quiet and understated woman who arrived first and stayed until the very end, working diligently on all of the unglamorous tasks of food plating and dishwashing. And the others were a couple who positioned themselves at the sanctuary doors, greeting guests and passing out programs. And I also noticed that they always came into the service and they made a point of listening to the eulogy. I learned eventually that they shared a common drive for serving on the memorial team. They had all experienced the death of a child. And when the unthinkable had happened, and when life had brought them to their knees, members of their church had showed up to create and hold sacred space and to hold them. And as time went on, they couldn't not do for others whose pain they deeply understood. And they knew that every gesture on that team mattered. Our shared mission here saves lives and gives life. Everything we do here on this team that is Foothills gives life and saves lives. It is not a neutral act to honor and witness each other's sacred humanity. It is soaked with the radical conviction that no one is outside the circle of belonging and that everyone matters, no exceptions. Let us hold this conviction especially closely this coming week as we approach Trans Day of Visibility because our care changes systems that are set up to silence and oppress and our service liberates. At church, we are all on the team and there is a role for everybody. Sometimes these roles are clearly demarcated positions Sometimes we create our own roles when we see where our joy meets the mission. And sometimes it's not so much about taking on a discrete role with a particular title, but it's about a quality of presence that we bring. It's about a way of showing up in this community. And it doesn't always look the way we might think it should look. So when I think back to my softball team from childhood, where all the prescribed roles fit me so poorly that the coach actually invented a place to put me during the games, which was a special place that actually worked and felt good, I also remember that I did offer something that felt highly valuable to that team, because I could cheer. 
I was that kid in the dugout shouting, good eye, and way to watch, and you got this. <laughs> that was me, embracing my self-appointed role of boosting morale and spreading cheer with all the softball chants I could think of. I couldn't really catch a ball, but for me, cheering was my most authentic place on the team, and it felt good, and it made a difference. Our work here at church is to figure out how we can serve. So experiment with what feels right, what brings you out of your own head, what connections feed you, what breaks your heart open and disrupts your narratives about the way life is in ways that reconnect you with the greater fabric of life. And be open to what other people say they see in you, too. Because sometimes other people see potential in us that we never would have seen for ourselves. I probably would have chosen to pick Clover in the outfield every single game. But the softball coach put me in a place I never even knew existed, because it didn't. <laughs> and it worked. The place of overlap between the call we feel in ourselves and the potential that other people see in us, it's so generative and so alive. And then I wonder, looking at the ways that you serve here at church, what would it look like to stretch yourself just a little further? And if you feel a wave of guilt or irritation at this question, I totally get it. But I'm still going to ask it because I think this question has something for all of us. What would it look like to stretch yourself just a little bit more in your service at Foothills? Maybe it's joining a team. You could serve coffee after the services or welcome our newcomers. Join our stewardship team or finance team, which are really critical and also pretty invisible. You could join our AV crew that works behind the scenes to make our Sundays happen every Sunday. Or maybe you're already on a team and you're ready to step into deeper leadership. Or maybe your service stretch is just the way you show up here offering kindness with your body language, introducing someone, introducing yourself to someone you haven't met before. Together, let's create a culture where everyone finds and joyfully inhabits their place on the team. All of us taking shifts, giving and receiving, offering what we wish would have been given to us once, giving what we have to give, serving with imagination and creativity, building up a world where everyone receives the support and love they deserve to thrive and flourish. As the poet reminded us this morning, you gave me what you did not have, and I gave you what I had to give. And together we made something greater from the difference. May it be so. Amen. You gave me what you did not have, and I gave you what I had to give, and together we made something greater from the difference. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, podcasts like this, it only comes into being because people give what they have and contribute their time, their energy, and their love to this sort of work. And so I'm going to end with a thank you. A thank you to everyone who's listening. A thank you to people who give financially to support this podcast, even those people who are not part of our community in Northern Colorado or online, but just listen through the podcast. We appreciate that because we know that you value what we're doing. We also have opportunities to serve no matter where you are. And so don't hesitate to get in touch with us. You can email us at deeperpod at foothillsuu.org. 
or reach out to anyone on the foothillsuu.org website to find your place to serve. Well, friends, that's about it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Next week, we have our final installment of our Terms of Service. Well, actually, there's going to be a bonus episode because we had a miscommunication or a tech issue with some of our stuff recording the first episode from our guest speaker, Mary Catherine Warren. So that's going to be coming soon. But our final episode of the series, uh, chronologically at least, Reverend Gretchen is going to be preaching on replacing ourselves. Not only is this about mentoring and succession, but it is about generations and the generational dynamics that are at play right now, especially as we age, as we age in place, and as generational differences come to bear out in workplaces and families, but also in religious communities. I'm so grateful you're here with us, and thanks for being here. <laughs>